Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one crumbs on his jacket scissors at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) I was feeling real awkward for a second. Me too. (laughs) It's like you're in the room with me, okay. Uh... (laughs) I had an itch and was distracted. (laughs) Um, And joining us again this week are... Andrew and Kester Dorowski. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> He's not on top of it today. Um, so <laughs> today we're talking about Minute 87, which starts with uh, Frodo waking up and looking around. And it ends with Sam yelling, that's a filthy lie, and um, just punches punches the heck out of Gollum. I think, I think walloping yeah. is a fine descriptor. Slamming. <laughs> Slugs him? Yeah, that's, that's a good, a good one. one. Slugs, slugs that's a good word. Yeah, slugs. Let's him have it. <laughs> Tensions are a little high. I really like the music building. It's, um, it's... Like start, the volume, it, the crescendo. The crescendo, yes, the crescendo. But before that, it's also, um, as it crescendos, it starts off and it's just going one note at a time up a scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that. And it builds it up. It's really as intensifying. A- Yes. Yeah. As I mentioned before, uh, when we had Jesse on, this this is still part of the same sequence that was filmed uh, as the first part of Return of the King that they filmed. Mm. This is all still part of that same stuff. So Andy Circus is not here. Right. This was mocapped on a stage later. That's really impressive. He yeah. just like threw himself down. Yeah. And then uh, I think they did some of this stuff with the they did some of this stuff with the beating up uh, on a studio late on a studio set later. But the the greater part of this scene was done uh, out of order as the first thing they ever filmed from Return of the King. Mm. Hmm. Because of weather. Yeah. Yeah, they, they talk about it in the commentaries that this, this part of this scene in particular was really difficult to go from having just finished Sam's final steps in the Shire to doing this. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a leap. Yep. This is the furthest I'll ever be from home. We're That's about to have an argument lie. about yeah. <laughs> uh, about all kinds of stuff. You're a filthy wretch. <laughs> you were like pointing at the screen the entire time we were watching the minute. Yes, just just watch Sam's right shoulder through this entire minute. Yeah, and you will notice that there are no crumbs until Gollum points them out, <laughs> and then so they Gollum appear. Gollum has magic. Is magic what you're crumbs. saying? <laughs> yes, I remember in the theater when I saw this. This scene's, this scene's in the theatrical. I, I feel like I always have to ask that in a Lord of the Rings movie. Like, is this scene in the in the original? Or is oh, it yeah, because this is super important to the, the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I remember in the theater when... And so this would have must have been last week. When Gollum sprinkles some of those crumbs on him, I remember being confused. I'm like, is he seasoning him? Like, is Gollum planning to eat Sam? Like, because that's what like his hand gesture is. It's like he's sprinkling some some herbs and spices. Uh-huh. It's like is he it's seasoning the Hobbit? It's that meme of the guy the in the sunglasses thing? and the yeah. salt. 
Just just yeah. replace the face with Gollum. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is he doing? And then and then like the rest of it came through. I was like, oh, okay, got it. He was planting evidence. Gotcha. Evidence that disappears and then reappears. Yes. <laughs> and that he has to point out. Now, this also means that Gollum's entire plan hinges on both of the hobbits. Which I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna hinge it on this, hobbits are the people to hinge it with. Believing that there is no way to get rid of food aside from eating it. <laughs> Which I thought was dumb, but then I'm like, wait, but it's for hobbits. And hobbits might think that. Yes. <laughs> what else would happen to food? Yeah, it's like what what do you mean? He th- he threw it off the cliff. I don't understand. <laughs> Why would you do that? But, that, let's start that over. means it didn't go in his mouth. What, nobody does, would do that. It does make the sense only with... way is if somebody eats it, and if he doesn't <laughs> eat it, that means somebody else ate it. Right, but but like that kind of makes sense with Frodo's siding with with Gollum. Yeah, like... like it depends on Frodo saying it's like, well, he didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. You must have eaten it. What, did he throw it off the cliff, Sam? No. People don't do that with food. <laughs> I know, because like, Sam is so worried them... about the, the spices for roast chicken falling out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. It's like, Sam, obviously you wouldn't throw it off the cliff. Nobody would throw food off the cliff. Not even Gollum, who, by the way, did throw the food off the yeah. cliff. But, like, it does depend on the fact for them to say, it's like, oh, it must have been eaten. It couldn't have been disposed of. Yeah. I wonder how long Gollum has been planning this, though, because, like, he... Because I think he's been, like, setting the... Like, planting the seeds for this the entire time, because all he refers to um, Sam as is a fat hobbit. Yeah, doesn't he mention it earlier? It's like... Yeah. He says something about how Sam doesn't seem to be getting any thinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I think... I don't know. He's just been, like priming Frodo for this. It's not Gollum. It's Smeagol. Smeagol. So he just creates these plans and and they automatically go through all the way. But I mean, like, I don't think Frodo is looking very hard to disbelieve this scenario. Yeah, yeah. True. I mean, like we were saying yesterday, Frodo has created this sort of um, connection to Gollum and Mm -hmm. is is siding with him a lot more. And that warped reality. Yeah, right. Exactly. You perceive yeah. everything. Um, so in my day job, um, when I'm not podcasting, I work for a treatment center that works with teenagers with mental health disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about something called um, attunement. And people with certain disorders sometimes struggle with attunement, which is being able to recognize accurately and respond to um, what other people are feeling. Mm-hmm. in a situation and so in this case it would be a really strong example of frodo expressing poor attunement towards sam he is perceiving the worst possible option based on the things that are available mm-hmm. and he's latching on to that which is the thing that people do right um and we've all done this sort of thing right when you're emotionally distressed your ability to be attuned to other people is diminished it's, it's just like a clinical fact right yeah um and so if we consider that Frodo is under a lot of distress, he is in a heightened emotional state, that means the logical center of his brain is uh, less active, it's disconnected from his, his general perception, so he can't rationalize or logic things through um, mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis, like start to finish. 
in some ways that's also like a default thing for teenagers. So that's an extra issue that I have to work with mm-hmm. at work is like they're they're already diminished as teenagers and then they're diminished further by um, you know, their anxiety or depression or neurodiversity or trauma. Right. But so with Frodo, he's got, you know, all this trauma stuff. So if we take it like, okay, he cannot, you know, think things through logically and he is inclined to take the worst possible perspective on something and the things that fuel his most paranoid, in this case, worldview, Mm -hmm. then it does track that he would make this logical jump and say, the person I have historically trusted most is now betraying me and I'm going to find all of these points that act in favor of it, even right. though that's not totally true. But like when, when we were teenagers, we definitely have times when we were distressed and it was like, okay, well, everything is just going to fuel this fire. And if it doesn't fuel this fire, then it doesn't exist. Right. Oh yes, I can definitely. And so like, this is a thing that people do. Cause it's, it's like, um, it's like if you're having, like, a bad day or a bad week and you're just like, well, everything is out to get me. Like, it might not be, but that's how it feels. So Yeah. yeah. And then, like, one small thing, like, milk spilling or something will yeah. just, like, yeah. t- tip just you over the, the scale. edge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and because this one is so critical in, like, their relationship, it's extra heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This gets sad. It does. Yeah. And, I mean, we have more of it in... Like, tomorrow's minute, so I don't know how deep we want to dig on this one, because, like, this hasn't gotten into, like, the real accusations and, no, this is, and hard stuff. Yeah, this is more the result of uh, of Smeagol's scheming. So this is the kind of thing that Andy Serkis is talking about earlier in the commentary, where he's just, Smeagol is the really evil one. That's interesting. Because Gollum is the id. He's reactionary. He's possessive. He's aggressive in the moment. Smeagol is a schemer. Hmm. Yeah, anything that requires premeditation um, has a, a stronger sense of... Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of the adjective for sinister, or like the the adverb for sinister. Sinisterness. <laughs> Sinisterly. Sinistrosity. <laughs> I can't remember what part of speech I'm looking for. This is what I get for being sick on a podcast. Right <laughs> Ominous. Ominous. That's a good one. Yeah. I think I that's love, a very um, specific context of sinister, though. I love how like 25 seconds in the minute Gollum is literally just scratching his head like oh I wonder who could have done this <laughs> yeah his, his play acting in this sequence is pretty great yes but just like the heavy breathing off camera and then it moves to focus on him and he's scratching at his head it's like <laughs> someone who's oh, just like gee. scratching their beard in the background and like, I didn't do nothing wrong yeah <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Ah, uh, oh, And it's something this is, that shucks. This is really tough, guys. Yeah. I wonder what happened. It's just rubbing his <laughs> neck it... like the the detective who's in on it with the bad guys in a crime movie. Yeah, it's something that that someone could potentially take as a, an act of um, like trying to cover up that you did it, mm-hmm. and so it's something that sit like could potentially make Sam believe that it was. Gollum who who ate the bread or did something with it. Yeah, yeah like it, it's bad acting. Yeah. And the same when he looks at the crumbs he's like, oh look at these crumbs. <laughs> that I did just, I just noticed them. I, like, I didn't I mean, plant I, them. I would not accuse you if all the evidence weren't pointing towards you. <laughs> right? I've seen him stuff in his face you know, when Master ain't looking. <laughs> he's playing so innocent. He's not. <laughs> and, he, and he's like playing it bad so like we as the audience like it's 
it's kind of weird because it creates almost a comedic tension when you're watching him. He's like, he is so bad at pretending to be innocent. You're like, come on. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that just makes it all the more tragic that Frodo is so compromised. Yeah. Frodo has a favorite child. <laughs> That's what this is like. This is like a sibling trying to pin it on another sibling. <laughs> and a parent having a favorite child, so they go with it. Uh, oh, you guys have seen Parks and Rec. It's like Mona Lisa. I have never done anything in my life. Ever. Right. <laughs> I know this. And I, and I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> That's Frodo in this moment. <laughs> And every time I watch I watch Parks and Rec and I see her do that to her dad, I'm like, come on! <laughs> I'm like, you, you gotta be kidding me! She is so obviously a total disaster of a <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think where there's like, I mean, because it happens in this, but there's other examples in movies where, you know, the character has played innocent to their parent figure or the authority figure. And then, like, the parent picks them up and puts them on their shoulder. And then the baby looks over the shoulder and, like, makes a face like, ha, ha, ha. Because <laughs> doesn't Gollum kind of make that face in one of these minutes? Yeah, I think. Not here. Yeah, it, it, maybe, the, it might the be The expression Gollum has at the end of this is particularly interesting to me. Where he's, like, behind Frodo, he's like, he can't see me making this face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you and I both know I'm getting away with it. <laughs> There's another face Gollum makes right at the end of this scene on what'll be Thursday. Okay. That is really fascinating to me as a narrative yeah. choice. Yeah. And, and like, you can't accuse anyone of that because the next thing they're going to do, oh, moi? That just Anytime me- someone says moi, they did it. <laughs> that just reminds me of um, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How, like, he gets away with everything and then his sister just gets all of the crap. Yep. That's yeah, funny. I'm really trying hard to think of, like, other examples in movies. Like, I've definitely seen... Like the baby on the shoulder being like, hee hee. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. you know what? That's probably in uh Look Who's Talking To. What the heck is that? Uh, an eighties movie. Oh, okay. About talking ba- ba- babies that talk, but they don't actually talk. It's like voiceover. <laughs> oh no! So the babies aren't actually like acting or emoting <laughs> at all. Oh gosh! You know, high art. <laughs> it's no. It's so bad. No. I was thinking of like a cartoon or something. Yeah, like you see the or or um. Oh, like the thing at the beginning of Roger Rabbit? I'm trying to think. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Because, like, I know I've seen one, and I know I've probably seen one recently in some kind of show, and I just can't... Oh, I bet the the baby in Dinosaurs would probably do stuff like that. Oh, yes. I'm oh, a yes. baby, gotta love me. <laughs> and then it would make a face at someone that it's been taunting. Yeah. yeah. That taunting face, taunting eyes. And then it gets kidnapped what? by the gremlins in the fridge, and you think it's gonna get eaten. What? <laughs> That's a crazy show. That show is so weird. But yeah, like, Mischief Makers have this thing when they're getting away with it. Mm-hmm. And Gollum does that. Oh, yeah. It's the getting away with mischief, and the authority figure is letting it slide, and I'm blaming it on you. It's like, man, it is It is one of the most frustrating things to feel. Yeah. But yeah, like, man, the, like, the sinister face of, like, I'm getting away with it, mm-hmm. and I'm pinning the blame on you. It's just like... Oh, man, that's hard to deal with. I, love- I was the youngest child. I don't know if you guys can tell. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that in my I'm bones. I'm the oldest child. But, so. but people would I'm also, the oldest child, too. Yeah, would yeah, accuse we're the youngest child of being the one getting away with it. <laughs> right? Because youngest child, always the one who get, let like, everything slides for the youngest. Yeah. 
My sister is the middle child, so she always got blamed for everything. <laughs> my brother's the younger child, but he's eight years younger than me. and So there's a, a big enough gap that it doesn't... That it doesn't really affect us. And then my sister is just two and a half years younger than me, and she was the... She was the one that got into mischief a lot. Mm. But yeah, like, it's the worst kind of smile to see on someone's face. Oh yeah, for sure. I love a dramatic, like, cloak flourish when Frodo stands up. He's like, he doesn't eat it. And then he stands up and, like, moves his cloak. It's the best. Uh, it's so windy. Well, no, 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 look, he, like, <laughs> tosses it over his shoulder. Like, he, like, stands up and tosses it over his shoulder. It's the best. It's a, It's an accent move. Yeah. It's not a, quite like Arwen, like, leaving her entire cloak, but it's close. Everyone's super dramatic in this movie. I love it so much. Yeah. I had a friend once who, to, like, put a point on his statement, with gesture, put a point on the end of his statement. Mm-hmm. He threw the end of his scarf over his shoulder. Yes! But I had another friend who was standing behind him and slightly to the side, and it hit him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and... The the first one, the one who was throwing the scarf, did not know about that at all. That's so funny. And the second one just, like, got it in the face, and he, and he like, kind of stepped back, and he, like, made this face, like, what the heck? <laughs> but it was silent, and I'm, like, the only one who got to see it. And so it was, like, this perfect little moment. And then, like, he made eye contact with me, and I'm like, I saw it. I saw it. That was ridiculous. Like I, I sympathize. Like, he was totally unaware of his surroundings and just, like, threw his scarf tassels in the face of his friend oh, so to punctuate funny. his statement. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like in an over-the-top like, stage production. Yeah, it was so perfect. And that, like, and the second friend, like, being like, what? Like, he didn't know it was coming, and he's just like, the scarf just hit me in the face! But he didn't make it loud or anything, he's just like, Huh? <laughs> How dare! And, he's, and he just like looks at him. He's like, "Come on, man! Like, have some, have like a little bit of self awareness." That's so funny. Because it was a moment where he's like totally oblivious to the fact that there's like other people. Like, and the, the, that was the n- nature of this friend in general. Like, he mm-hmm. was fairly oblivious to the needs of other people. <laughs> um, and so, like in that moment, I was like, "That's kind of a perfect encapsulation of this it's person." Like some- like a like a microcosm of their friendship. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's, like, a, that's funny. That's that's pretty perfect. <laughs> that's like sitcom levels of ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we good on this minute, I think? I think so. Yeah. I think so. So we are all from the website duelinggenre.com. Um, check out some of the other non-movies by minutes related podcasts such as the protagonist podcast which both norman and i have guested on what at least twice with these i've either been on two or three times yeah i think it's at least two for each of you yeah um and andrew produces and sometimes co-hosts so that's a lot of fun we've got the doctor's companion we're in like the middle of of um series 12 right now so if you watch doctor who and you haven't checked out that show there are um I think almost three, over 300 episodes, almost 400 episodes. It's fun. Um, and if you like comics, you can check out Tales from the Short Box. Um, it's a weekly podcast where Adam from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute and some of his friends review their weekly comic book picks. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining us, Andrew and Kestra. Um, and we'll be back uh, tomorrow to talk more about uh, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. And their breakup. Yeah. Bye. Bye.